We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Welcome into another 3 Ma Pod. I am John Kurtz. It's really 2 Ma for now. It's just me and DY to start here. Cole is going to be joining us uh, hopefully shortly, hopefully in the middle of this, hopefully with uh, another bridge soliloquy and or bridge t-shirt. We'll see, you know, <clears throat> things worked out, excuse me, pretty well. Getting all choked up. You know, we won at Iowa State this past weekend, 10 to 9, took years off my life. And uh, so I'm still a little choked up thinking about it and reminiscing about it here uh, on Monday morning. But as always, I'm sure a lot of you had to hit plenty of the 360 vodka and or Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon on Saturday. Not only because this is something Cole and I noticed. We went out to the casino sportsbook, you know, to watch some games early on and then came back to his place. And we're just like nervously pacing around for like two hours waiting for the game to start. That's a long time for your nerves to be going when you're waiting on the road for a big game like that. Man, just chill it out with some 360 Vodka, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon from Holiday Distillery. Great K-State fans, great K-State people that help support us here on the pod. So make sure that you support them as well. And you got a bye week. So now you can just kick back and like for real relax here on Saturday instead of, you know, try to like fake relax like Cole and I were there for a while. But it, it's good. I mean, Cole and I did our Twitter spaces live immediately after the game. So if you listen to that, you caught some of our immediate reaction. Derek was actually there being a Big J Journo professional in Ames and uh, apparently survived the press box, you know, came back it, all, all equipment in working order or no, uh, you know, no leaking, no okay, leaking. nothing leaked onto laptops from the ceiling this time. That's good. Uh, that was my lasting memory of the press box there in Ames uh, and K-State wins D.Y. the hater who picked K-State to lose. And after watching that game, D.Y., I'm just not sure how you couldn't have thought K-State was so vastly superior. You could ever pick Iowa State to win that game. I mean, you know, uh, that's that's sarcasm. Ten to nine. Oh, but yeah. In all seriousness, man, I mean, that, that should have been a 20-9 to 9 win that we were all feeling pretty darn good about, right? I mean, if you just don't have the Malik Knowles play and Chris Tennant hits a 32-yard field goal, uh, then it's 20-9, to 9, fairly comfortable against probably the best defense in the Big 12, and we'd be sitting here feeling better than we are. Still feel pretty good, but better than we are. Yeah, I mean, 
That was another, and I wouldn't say another, that was an ugly game from Kansas State and Iowa State both. Uh, the defense has played really, really well, so hats off to both of them. that They probably earned that 10-9 to 9 score. I'll tell you what, I got more, and I obviously it's probably because of the Iowa State hate from the Kansas State faithful, so I get it. I mean, I got more crap for picking Iowa State to win than I have <laughs> any one of my predictions since I started covering the team in September of 2017. Um, even my girlfriend came at me after the game. She's like one wow. point and had the Steve Harvey GIF. Yeah. So, uh, no, hey, like I said, glad to be wrong. And it, it is, a, I guess, one of the takeaways I'll have, because it's going to have to be cleaned up at some point, it's the second game in a row that you probably let a team off the hook. Chris Kleiman used that language to describe the Texas Tech game in the first half, which was clearly the case, right? They they had resort to two field goals when they were inside the 20, I want to say, against Texas Tech. And and they really took their foot off the accelerator and could have had more. Um, and then the same thing happened here where you're leaving points on the field. Leaving points on the field is not something that this team probably can afford to do in many cases. But I will say, if you're surviving and, and beating Texas Tech and Iowa State, Texas Tech still kind of comfortably while doing so, it probably means you got a good football team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think the it, there's a yin and yang to it. The positive is, yes, you are good enough to continue to win, even in spite of that. I think it was pretty obvious that K-State was the better team uh, throughout the game on Saturday in Ames. But then the flip side of that is, look at what the next four games are on the schedule. I'm not sure that you're going to be able to get away with taking your foot off the gas. What, at TCU, home for Oklahoma State, home for Texas, and then at Baylor? That's the next four, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, that's the gauntlet that's in front of them. And um, and I don't know if we can turn this into that kind of podcast already, but here's what I'll say. And there's a couple of things I want to say, actually, is that the bye comes at the right time. This team's kind of bruised and battered. And it's probably perfect that it's in the middle of the season, smack dab, right? Right after six games or right before six games. So you kind of get the benefit of that, too. Uh, the team really needs some rest and recovery, and it comes right before that gauntlet we just spoke of. My takeaways here is you, you get TCU after the bye week, uh, an undefeated TCU. We probably didn't anticipate that being the case. And they had to play Oklahoma State the week before. So the, there is no rest for the weary, for the frogs in that one. And then you get Oklahoma State, and they got to play Texas the week before. So you're getting those two probably at the right time is what I will say. Um, you don't get Texas at the right time. I think Texas has a bye week before they play K-State. So that's that's an interesting uh, part of the schedules because the schedule is going to start to dictate some of this. So you really have to look into it and and how it breaks down for each and every each and every club. But at the but at the same time, what I wanted to say also is I don't really love TCU. Um, I know they are undefeated. They have played really good offense in most of their games and their defense has been spotty and looked really bad against Jason Bean, of all people, although he played really good. Not going to take anything away from Dimes, man. He was dropping yeah. skill for dimes. Yeah, but – but and maybe I'm silly for still being stubborn on them. I'm just not – still not buying into TCU. Yes, the record looks good. Some of the scores look really good. Um, but the Oklahoma thing continues to look worse for both K-State and TCU. I mean, I think both were through the roof of those wins at the time, and now they're probably not as much. So, yeah, I just have a little bit – I have some questions still left for TCU. If you actually watch them 
you know, throughout the game. Like you actually have a keen eye on them. There's definitely holes to exploit and still some question marks that they have as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think of it like this, but feel great. I mean, ecstatic about K-State getting out of Ames and Norman with wins to start the year. But if you were doing, I mean, I was kind of going through it last night on my, my YouTube show, but it was like, if I'm doing tiers of the Big 12, I mean, Oklahoma, Iowa State, West Virginia, that's probably the bottom of the league, right? So those two road wins are against two of the teams so. right now. Look, I, look I, they're two I, of the bottom three. Yeah, no, I think so. Don't get me wrong. They are two of the bottom three at this point. I will say Iowa State is probably better than that. Um, their schedule has been very unredeeming to, to begin the Big 12 play. They've been in it for the most part as well. Even in the Baylor game where it felt like Baylor kind of, you know, controlled that game, they had more yards than Baylor. <laughs> they outgained Baylor in that game. So, I look, I, some of it's, again, dictated by schedule. I think Oklahoma and West Virginia are the clear bottom two teams. I think Iowa State is a better team than those two. But they need better quarterback play. Hunter Deckers is kind of a outcross right now. So, yeah, I think I, that was a thought I had after the game. K-State recruited Hunter Deckers really hard, and they even mentioned that in the broadcast, that yeah. that could be K-State right now instead of Adrian Martinez and going with the one the transfer portal. That could be K-State. Talent, Hunter Deckers. He's got talent, though. It's it's kind of the like the first-year experience and not being able to respond to any kind of pressure. You you get pressure on Deckers just like any first-year quarterback, and, and he's kind of falling apart a little bit. He, had, it's, it, he almost – he was showing growth within the game, to be honest, because he had some pressure coming at him in the second half on a few different occasions, throwing off his back foot, perfect throw into the flat, just great tackling at that point in the game by Kansas State. So I get, I honestly saw growth within the game, at least versus the blitz from Deckers, but that's clearly something that he's not comfortable doing yet. No, no. I mean, well, and he, he made a nice play to, to Xavier Hutchinson there at the end of the game, but womp womp. Drop the ball. Yeah, dude, and that's your best player. Um, old, experienced guy making that play in that point of the game. That's re really inexcusable. I know people say, well, kids, they got lucky. They won the game because of that. Yeah, because of the timing of that. Yes, they did. I but mean, go back and do Malik Knowles play. Come on. Yeah, I was just going to say. So here's it. And I had an Iowa State fan of my mentions, too, at halftime that said, well, you know, if not for the one fluke play, our defense has played like perfectly. And I was like, okay. Adrian Martinez is incredibly evasive in the pocket. Him just yeeting a linebacker that's coming on the blitz and then finding Phillip Brooks down the field is not – that's not a fluke. Like, one, it's that's how this offense scores. They score with big plays. That's They don't have a lot of consistency, but they hit you with haymakers. And, two, like that's that's what Adrian has done, the entire this entire resurgence the last three weeks. So, you know, I don't want to hear it with that. The Malik Knowles thing, yes, it's a great play. It's also just a one-in-a-million where that's going to happen. He said after the game he lost, and I think you can kind of tell he just he didn't know. He was looking over his other shoulder for the defender. He kind of lost where the defender was. Guy makes a great play. I mean, Matt Campbell called it one of the greatest defensive plays in Iowa State history in a loss. Um, not looking for the conference championship. Back to that quote last year. I feel like that fits in the same vein. I digress. Uh, you get the point there. There was a lot that, I mean, K-State, you know, I had somebody – Someone that DMs me that breaks down, you know, one of the one of these film gurus like you, DUI loves to just grind tape uh, from Big 12 games. But there was DMing me last night and he was like, K-State kicked Iowa State's ass. They just won the game by one point. So 
I don't know if you totally agree with that, but well, I, I, mean, I would not call anything about that luck, even though Xavier Hutchinson dropped the pass. Yeah, you, well, Parker from Stats of War and whatever else he does, which I'm probably not giving him the full credit that he deserves, but he's the stat guru, kind of like he is the K-Shore score fan for TCU, but he does all of college football. He's just fantastic, and he does the the, the – you could tell how bad a team beat a team, right? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, by yeah. comparing uh, the success uh, rates, uh, like Kansas State – was very, very, very close to being in that echelon where they, where it says you whipped that other team's ass pretty handily. Um, the success rate by Kansas State was far better than Iowa State, um, you know, offensively and defensively speaking both. So Kansas State should have won that game by more. It's another game where they let a team off the hook, uh, so to speak. They have to sharpen up, you know, clean up some of those things, the Malik Knowles thing especially, which I don't know if that's a sharpening or a cleaning other than, you know, just – yeah. Well, I would call it bad luck, but man, that's kind of been Malik Knowles' career a little yeah, bit. Too. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, let's get into that. I mean, is that like a a giant teachable, teachable moment? Is that, a, I mean, is it, do you just write it off and say, like, hey, that was kind of a fluke? It was a hell of a play. And even if a guy's trying to do that, or Malik, yeah, man, I, I mean, it's not going to happen again. I, just, I hope not. Knock on wood, right? Do you think he was. Would, could he have just? Was, I don't run, think the ball was loose. Could he have just run straight line into the end zone as opposed to trying to kind of like jog an angle? I mean, I don't know about that. Maybe he doesn't make it to the end zone. I mean, he was trying so hard to make a play. I mean, yeah. that's that one. It was a hell of. I mean, that's just it. it just it was a hell of a play. Yeah. It just kills you. I mean, I. This is something we talked about on the Twitter spaces, but I mean, Dy, I don't know that I've been a more broken man in my life than I was after that play happened in real time. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I literally, I dropped to the ground. I went from screaming, you know, go Malik, go Malik, and then just dropped to the ground in a heap. And Cole said, I didn't get up for like five minutes. I didn't even say anything. I just, I didn't even watch to see the fumble recovery. Like once the ball popped out, I went down because you knew what was going to happen. I mean, at that point it was like, I mean, this is, this is over. Like I, and, and in that game, you know, points at a premium, like you just got, that was the ticket, right? We say, you're going to have to hit some explosives against Iowa State's defense. You're probably not going to move the ball consistently on them. And they got the one at the beginning of the game, and then they had that one. And it was like, as it turns out, that would have held up. And, like, God, it was just like, man, that would have taken away so much stress the rest of the game, especially if you hit the, the field goal, too, from Tenet. I mean, you're talking about being up, like, 17-6, to 17-9. Like, that would have – the way Iowa State's offense was going, that would have felt like such a, a comfy cushion the rest of the way. So, I digress. They won. It was uh it was excruciating. I just <laughs> I can't no help torture. I mean it was I, I tweeted it felt like tri- Chinese water torture, like watching that game. Not only just the fact that it's a 10 to 9 game, but it's like you know, I mean K they K-State moved the ball. It was just not finishing enough. The passing game. I mean, we need to talk about this for sure, but they got the passing game going. I mean, Adrian Martinez had two one hundred yard receivers for the first time. Since the, the Central Arkansas game yes. in 2017, when it was Isaiah Harrison, Byron Pringle just catching bombs the entire game from Jesse Ertz. Correct. Um, I remember that game very well because then the next week they had they unleashed Mike McCoy in the fourth quarter and he rumbles over Charlotte and we think Kansas State's the best thing since sliced bread because of how they just decimated Central Arkansas and Charlotte and then they lose to Vanderbilt the next week. But I digress all that year. <laughs> but that, that's what that made me think of. Look, pass game's going. I think Adrian it was mostly explosives. But Wait, let me give you his line real quick. 
Adrian's 12 of 19, 246 yards, uh, one touchdown, no picks. Yeah, almost 250. Now, I think about 150 are the Brooks and Knowles play, probably. Um, but, so like, who that, cares? I mean, like, that's yeah, – no, that, no, it is what it is. But there, So, you got 100 yards elsewhere otherwise, but that's fine. I mean, you'll take that 250 because for most of the season, it's been below 150. That's so the best passing game of the season over yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I think Oklahoma, they threw for 248, and this one 246. So, uh, well, it's said, it said yeah. here, Adrian. I just looked at this game log. It was like 234 against Oklahoma. Okay. So, uh, you know, no, you're right. Yep, that's the case. And, and look, Adrian Martinez, I said this on Big 12 Radio this morning with Ari Temkin. I'm not sure I would pick another quarterback in the Big 12 over Adrian Martinez right now with the way he is playing. He's dialing up everything perfectly. He's making all the right calls, making all the plays. I mean, he's playing near – it almost feels like he's playing near perfect games. Because, look, like we just said, almost threw for 250. Take away the sack yardage because he got sacked like three or four times. You take away that yardage. He also had 94 rushing yards again. If you Against Iowa State's defense, man. Yeah. I mean, look at you know, uh, Jalen Daniels, a great quarterback. Jalen Daniels didn't do that against Iowa State. Jalen Daniels got shut the hell down. Yeah. I mean, ninety-four rushing yards if you take away the sack yardage on top of almost two hundred and fifty passing yards. Now, Quinn yours, um, not enough of a sample size for me to take Quinn yours or Adrian Martinez, well, but that's probably the only one where I'm like, there's a maybe a debate here. Max Duggan's having a great year too. I will say that. So I'm probably not giving him the rightful uh, kudos that he deserves um, out of nowhere too. But I guess I, I still have PTSD with Max Duggan where I don't necessarily believe in him, which is, I know hypocritical of me because I'm all in on Adrian Martinez and he has a very um, checkered past as well. Uh, so no, are those the top three though? I think Adrian Martinez, Quinn Ewers and Max Duggan. Uh, I mean, it depends. Jalen Daniels would be the. I mean, if you're gonna, oh, yeah, he's hurt. That's why I'm not considering him. Yeah. Okay. Because um, yeah, I think I mean, he's gonna miss at least three or four games. Right. I mean, I think like right now, if you're if you're talking about like race for all Big Twelve quarterbacks, then yeah, it's like Doug and Daniels, Martinez, Sanders. Um, with, I mean, Dy, I, I know you're not. This is gonna get off kilter a little bit here, but I, you're not the biggest Mr. Sanders fan in the world necessarily. But I saw something. I mean, he's 29 and six, I believe, is Oklahoma State starter. If the dude just wins games. I mean, so yeah, well, when when is it a quarterback stat? So that's my thing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the returning first team All Big Twelve quarterback, and they're still on. Which is by default. He'll he'll be in he'll be in uh, contention. I'm he'll sure he'll be in contention. It's just I, dude, I'm not going to give it to him. No. Okay, he's, he's below. I mean, I'll, I'll put him above Quinn Ewers until Quinn Ewers has played more than a game in a quarter. Yeah, but Ewers does look. I mean, he he looks awesome. But to your point <laughs> about Adrian. Like the reason we're here is because, I mean, you just think about the reputation that followed him from Nebraska, right? Faltering in big moments, lots of turnovers. Well, oh, we're going to knock on the wood here because I know what you're going to say. I'm not even going to say it, but turnovers have not been a problem uh, at K-State. And he has been stepping up in the biggest moments, making the biggest plays. I mean, here he is again in Ames, game clinching, basically, first down. If you want to consider the DJ Giddens one after that, that totally put the final nail in the coffin. But really, I mean, they're using him to run the ball, get tough yards when they need him to win the game. He makes the two big explosive plays by buying time in the pocket, avoiding a rusher, which the offensive line just olayed and let through, you know, for the Phillip Brooks touchdown, which is something else we need to talk about, how the hell that was happening multiple times. Uh, on Saturday, but he's he's doing everything that he was supposed to not be, uh, taking care of the football, still making big plays, being incredibly composed. 
um, and, and doing it down the stretch when it matters on the road in really tough environments in Norman and Ames. It just feels like, I mean, he is on a freaking tear of just rewriting the narrative on him completely. And yeah. we're only halfway through the season. I just, it, it's, it's crazy, especially from where the Tulane game was. Yeah. Right. And by the way, they're sniffing the top 25 right now and have one of the best defenses in the country. But from that point, he has erased so much of the negative narrative about him now. And it's it's incredibly cool to see. And yes, I just freaking love having the guy as my quarterback, man. I feel great with the ball in his hands. Oh, I do, yeah, I know. I feel like Kansas State's got, got what they want every time he has it. So that that's the reassuring thing. And and like you said, night and day since the Tulane game, it's not just the, the turnovers. And I'm not going to say it either because I don't want to jinx it. But it's also the late game stuff. Like the late game stuff is always what everyone wrote home about when he was at yeah. Nebraska. Yeah, right? for it in Nebraska. Yeah, they, they, it wasn't just the turnovers. It was the the way that they couldn't close out games. All those one score losses. He's the closer right now for K State. Every time they get into that winning time situation, he's the one making the plays. And and like you said, DJ Giddens had one as well. Here's the thing. I think we could come to a conclusion on what the problem was for Nebraska when it came to one score <laughs> games. Uh, no, because we definitely know now. So Adrian leaves Nebraska, becomes a one one score win producer for K State, the closer, right? No problems with him. Nebraska still has that issue when Adrian leaves, right? The first part of the season, they had a couple more one score losses, one to Northwestern, Georgia Southern, I want to say, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's still. Scott Frost gets fired, so he's no longer there. And then Nebraska starts winning one-score games, right? They, they won against Indiana. And then this past week, I think, was another one-score win. So all of a sudden, they know how to do it again. Guess what? The common denominator was Scott Frost all along, yeah. folks. Yes, yes. I think that much is incredibly obvious to, to anybody paying attention right now. couple other things with the offense since we're on the offense. Um DJ Giddens, really nice, tough, tough running man. Ran tough as hell there on those last two drives. And, I mean, hey, if he gets the ball on on third and one on the previous drive, it may not have even taken that last drive for him to run really hard. I I was blown away by DJ Giddens and the job he did with Deuce banged up and out of the game there late when they needed to close it. I got a question. Yeah. Were you holding your breath for him not to fumble? Because that's a pretty pivotal situation for a young player that hasn't played a ton. Yes, I had Jacardi A. Wright flashbacks where I'm like thinking about the Oklahoma game last year. There's a there's a picture on one of our stories, and it's not a picture from us. I think it's Getty or maybe it's from K-State where he's holding the ball. And that ball looks like it's about to come out. So that didn't like reassure me after the game either when I saw that picture. Yeah, well, I will, Cole and I were – we commented about this after the game, but we – I think it was the last carry maybe Giddens had. One of the last carries Giddens had where the game's almost on ice, but you just need it. We, we were sitting there thinking, like, Colin, just keep the ball in Adrian's hands. Like, don't make this a read. Just keep the ball in Adrian's hands. Let him be the guy. He's not going to turn it over. He will at least just knock someone over, fall forward for a couple yards, take some more time off the clock. Like, we were definitely in that camp. And then DJ Giddens just took it and battering rammed it up the middle against a great run defense. Move the chains, get out of there, and Chris Kleiman is hugging the absolute living hell out of uh, Gene Taylor on the sideline, and we get out of town. Um, So it just deserves a lot of credit. Now, I've seen some conversation amongst the fans about, like, hey, should DJ Giddens be 
in the game more? Should they be using him more? I just feel like we're kind of, doesn't that seem like the conversation from last year? Like, I don't know why there's a conversation every single year well, about taking the ball out of Deuce Vaughn's hands more. I I know Deuce was banged up, but I to me, the conversation there would become, can you withstand using him as a lead blocker on these plays for Adrian Martinez very often, as opposed to does he, does he need less carries and DJ Giddens need more carries? Yeah, no, that, I mean, I think it's because Deuce has been, had to leave three games now with injuries. Um, this past one against Iowa State, uh, but the one was just cramps. Like you know, one with cramps. Like I'm, you yeah, know. there's one with cramps, and then there was the one where he, where he missed like two plays because he had the wind knocked out of him. So it's not that bad, I don't think. It, I think it's mostly what most running backs are going through, and it sounds like this one's not even that bad. There's not a whole lot of concern on the Deuce Vaughn front. So no. I don't know if it's a lot like last year, but, man, here's the thing. Here's the problem. I don't know that they have another running back that they trust to be a lead blocker on QB power. So if Deuce isn't in there, and I don't know if people understood this or grasped this, when Deuce Vaughn was not in the game, when he had to lead the game, good run QB power. Can't run QB power. Guess what has been a really good play for Kansas State this year? QB, QB power. power. Yeah. You take the QB run and – out of the out of the playbook a little bit, you take it away. Kansas State's offense becomes very much predictable, very much less effective. You have to have the QB run game, and for a QB run game to work, you do need deadly blood. Now, maybe they should run it just behind Ben Sinnott. Maybe I, that's the, I mean, Sinnott has to be the answer then too, right? It has to be the answer. DJ Giddens is not necessarily the answer in that situation, but Ben Sinnott has to become the answer. The only thing is – their teams aren't going to think that you're going to hand it off to, to Ben Sennett. So you lose that threat because when Deuce Vaughn's in the backfield with Adrian Martinez, they're like, well, Deuce could get the ball, right? And then it's QB power, and then, you know, it's not. When it's just Sennett and Adrian back there in the backfield, you know it's QB power or pass, I guess. But your options are just less when it's Ben Sennett rather than Deuce Vaughn again. You need a running back to be able to kind of pose that threat unless you're willing to give the ball to Senate and make teams honor it. Well, why not just let Senate cook? Let Senate cook, baby. Let, let Ben Senate get in there and do some work. Uh, yeah. But point taken, point taken. I, I think just, we'll talk more about injuries in total later, but to reiterate, I mean, you don't think there's much of an issue with Deuce after the game, as pictures with fans that he was out there taking and he didn't have any kind of, not even any ice, nothing on the knee at all. So yeah, I think it was very minor or something. Yeah. And and did try again to go back into the game after he initially got dinged up. We did. Well, I think he went in the game because it was the trick play. It was the Malik Knowles to Adrian Martinez throw. Oh, okay. And and I'm guessing that Deuce is probably the only running back that's probably been in when they've done reps for that play. You're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm sure I'm sure that's what it was. Um I'm sure that's what it was. Okay. Uh, we'll get into more of the, the injury stuff a little bit later. Uh, I'm still kind of going down this list of, of things from the offense. Uh, and Cole Manbeck may jump in here at any point. We'll see. Um, but the offensive line continues to have some breakdowns. Uh, and it just, to, to me, the second most frustrating play of the game, there's an obvious number one. But the second most frustrating play of the game is Will McDonald coming in untouched when K-State went max protect. <laughs> you know, they have like two tight ends in. And somehow the best pass rusher in the league, not named Felix DK Uzama, just breezes right past two K-State offensive linemen, Hayden Gillum and Cooper Beebe, and just comes in and, and crushes Adrian Martinez. And there were a couple moments like that. I mean, honestly, the 
the touchdown to Phillip Brooks, that should have been like a sack for a six yard loss because the same, same damn thing happened. I, there, there are definitely some breakdowns understanding that Iowa state is a very good defense and the K state offense. I mean, overall big picture here, Cole was telling me this after the game, seven yards per play for K state. That was better than anybody else this season on Iowa state's defense. So like they moved the ball. I'm not saying that it ever, the sky is falling here, but we have seen some of these issues from the offensive line. And it just, it seems to be really feast or famine with a lot of this stuff. You know I mean? There are some bad moments where, where guys just come shooting through. Yeah. They, they have a issue on the interior of the offensive lineman. I know you said his name, but I don't necessarily think it's Cooper Beebe. Um, I think they, I think he's probably being asked to do a little bit more right now too. probably trying to cover up for right. some other deficiencies along the offensive line as well. They, they, I don't know if they're going to, um, but with Andrew Lang getting back, it would, I would be curious if they – and you have two weeks now before the, the game with TCU. If you start to toy with perhaps some different personnel, it will come down to if if Andrew Langang is truly ready, if, you know, if, if they have, you know, someone – you know, other guys that can have versatility in their games that can play guard and center as well. I mean, Hayden Gilm's not the only center. I think Hayden Hadley Painter's done a little center as well. So it comes down to the trust level there. If you if you think that you got some guys that can move around a little bit to maybe toy with some personnel and find some better combinations that could be more effective. Not pointing the finger here. I, I don't want to do that at this point of the season. But um, I think with the the continuous problems along the offensive line that it needs to be considered, and and this would be the time to do it. But again, some of that's going to come down to. How truly healthy is Andrew Langang? I'm not sure. He at least made the trip to Iowa State and was in pads, helmet, everything, dressed out. So that's a good thing. Dawson Del Ford has played a little bit this year. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the answer is. If they can just say, hey, we just got to play better. I don't know if that's the answer. or, But I would at least maybe toy with the idea of different personnel. How big of a – I mean, is Taylor Portier a bigger loss than we maybe even imagined at that time? Like how much different does this look with him in there? I mean, I, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think they they truly miss him. Obviously, uh, whenever a coach says this guy is an All Big Twelve talent, you're going. I mean, that says in itself. So obviously, yes, they miss him a lot. But I don't know if it absolves all their problems, though. Let me squeeze in special teams real quick here because that was one of the most disappointing parts of the night for me. I, Iowa State special teams have been brutal under Matt Campbell. They've been really bad the week before at Kansas. They muff a punt. They miss three field goals. You come back here, not only does K-State miss a field goal, Iowa State, the kid hits all three. Um, Nothing in the return game for K-State. Zentner was not great for much of the night, punting the ball. Like it just – there was an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Senate that, you know, we still don't know. We have absolutely no idea what the hell happened. Thanks to you. My my instincts are to say that 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 penalty was crap, but yeah, you're right. Ty Zedner mishit a kickoff that they got the ball at midfield late in the game too, which could have been disastrous. He had a 27 yard punt was not his night. Um, The personal foul, the, the missed field goal. They also had a play. um, Man, I'm kind of blanking. Was there, Oh, Phillip Brooks. You got to catch the ball and a punt. Kind of yeah, he was not wanting to do that at all. I don't. I Philip Brooks. I obviously he's really talented with the ball in his hand, but you know we've seen him fair catch a punt at the four this year, and then we see he just doesn't seem to be willing to go up and and try to catch anything that's bouncing between like the ten and the fifteen. 
So, you know, a little for, I don't, is this, is this blip on the radar? I mean, Tennant did obviously hit the field goal that really mattered at the end when they, I mean, they made what seven of his last eight. So I think we're really just taking swings at the kid for a little bit for no reason. If we continue to dwell on that, even if he's making them, you know, barely, I mean, he's done. Well, actually, I thought when I, when I first saw it, I thought the first one went in. Yeah. Uh, well, I thought, I thought he did too, to be honest for his reaction. Uh, I'm maybe I'm stupid. I'm not really worried about tenants. You know, a little worried about Ty Zender more at this point. Yeah, I mean, I mean yes, because he's, he's kicked two or three balls out of bounds this year too. I agree, and I had a really high opinion of him coming into the year. You know, I mean, I, I thought he had been pretty good. So I don't special team stuff a little concerning to me. But man, I mean, the defense outside of the first part of the game having some struggles with Iowa State's passing game, they seemed to make some adjustments. To me, it felt like they just said to hell with it and started bringing more pressure, um, which which maybe is a change, too, when Khalid Duke goes out of the game on the first series and and you're not able to have as much pass rush naturally with, with him there. Felix, I know, is a little bit banged up. Nate Matlack, obviously, is still very banged up and was not able to play much. So that, that probably changed some of the course of what they were trying to do defensively. But it was like you get any pressure. I made this joke earlier. Like Hunter Decker seems very into social distancing still. Uh, does not want anybody to get within six feet of him. And as soon as you do, he's just going to throw the ball. He'll throw the ball somewhere. So you don't even, you don't have to get home on him. And and we just saw that, I thought, over and over throughout the night. If you just get in his general vicinity, it freaks him out. And then he just throws the ball. And and usually it's not going to be very good. Yeah. No, Kansas State's defense, I think, on the SP Plus, number 11 in the country right now. So um, that side of the ball is really getting it done. Um, and I think you look about every statistic defensively, and they're pretty ranked pretty high. Uh, uh, have no concerns about this this team on that side of the ball at this point. Austin Moore is a hell of a player. Daniel Green should be even healthier after the bye week. I think he's kind of been nursing something. Felix was nursing something and probably wasn't able to play as well as he would like to have played. And they were so they and with Nate Matlack, I think 26 snaps against Texas Tech, maybe maybe that was overdoing it a little bit because that came back down to earth crashing against Iowa State. Uh, so the again, the bye week should alleviate a lot of this, in my opinion. But that's why they also had to manufacture more of a pass rush because their best pass rushers were either hobbled or not on the field. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I mean, it was such a drastic change from tech where you had Duke and Felix just teeing off all game long and picking up six sacks. Uh, it, it looked a lot different. Now, credit to Felix. He may have saved him three points at the end of the half with that. I mean, he got a he got a huge win and, and gets the sack to just stop that drive before it even started uh, for Deckers. Did you did you have an issue with Cole? Very much had an issue with Kleiman not trying to take any points there before the the end of the half. You have any issue? I would, I would have liked to see him at least force them to punt, but he 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 even without being asked about it, he's like, I know I'm going to get asked about this in, in the press conference after the game, and he just said his defense was on the field so much that he just was content. And I, I was actually on the other side with Cole where I was like, by that point, I was just like, just get me, get me to the locker room. Just, I don't, there's, there's been so much that's happened and I'm feel like they've played terrible. Iowa State special teams. I know, and I know they were good on the night, so it probably wouldn't have mattered, but with their, their uh, acumen and tr- tr- history of horrid special teams, I would have made them uh, execute another special teams play before the half if I had the power to do so. Yeah. I mean, I, I just had nightmares of like a third and 15 jump ball to Xavier Hutchinson with a pass interference or something. I, I, yeah, I, think, I think that was Chris Kleiman's concern because his defense had been on the field a lot at that point. Yeah. I don't know. Xavier Hutchinson probably would have just dropped it as we found out later in the game. Hey, oh, but uh, anyway. Here comes Cole. <laughs> oh, Cole, Cole is coming. Okay. Cole, I thought, I thought that was literally, I thought it was literally just because I made a joke right there at Iowa State's expense that they uh, really knew. I really we've been very tame this entire podcast until I make one crack and then Cole all of a sudden I actually took a shot at Nebraska. <laughs> all right. Welcome in Cole. Well guys well guys on last week's show you may have recalled I made another monologue about a bridge that I thought may have come across as insincere and <laughs> I felt bad about that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to do another monologue. About uh, your wedding show. picture is on display today, so that's good. Uh, I've got to get back bye to week, it. You know. It's a bye week, yeah. The bridge is taking a week off, uh, and I didn't make it there, but I'll get there for basketball to walk it. The K-State so. Athletics Twitter account continues to be a little spicy this year with the wins bridges thing. Let's talk mm. about that. I think that happened because of Cole, right? That's why I said Cole, Cole Manbeck officially became an influencer on Saturday when K-State – the, not even the football account, the official K-State Athletics Twitter account. They're the tweeted, ones that did the billboard of the Missouri game, too. Yeah, tweeted wins greater than bridges after the game. So, Cole, I think you need to take a bow, man, because, I mean, yeah, there were there were a few scattered jokes about that, but it was it was when the people heard Three Maw and that started making the round. I mean, I got more text. We got more messages about that, that bridge segment than anything we've done so far, even the totally unhinged episode. So I, I think that was all you. Well, I don't want to take credit for it. I, I just, it was a fun thing to do. Um, you guys had no idea what I was going to do there. And uh, probably made it better. I thank yeah. you guys for me. Have the opportunity to, had the opportunity to do it. You guys allowed me to do it. But yeah, no, I, I was oh, surprised Coach, Coach Athletics that tweet. Because yeah, I mean, the bridge thing had, 
Well, you know, look, hey, we're all uh, we're all on a team. There's uh, I I don't want to take any credit, bridge, guys. I walked. Oh, bridge. how was yeah, it? I didn't. Do I give me the full full rundown? What the hell was it like walking that? Well, you're parking like in this gravel lot now across the highway on the other side of that highway um, that the bridges goes over. So you park over there and you literally have to walk in reverse from the stadium to get to the, the other side of the bridge to actually begin walking it. So it's um, or at least I did. Uh, based on the lot that I was in. And look, I guess I should have known because you're going to the stadium. The bridge goes all the way to the stadium, which I knew that. But that means it's literally at an incline almost the entire time. So, I mean, if you want to work out those quads, John Kurtz, you go walk that <laughs> pedestrian bridge in Ames, Iowa, because it'll make your, your quads burn a little bit by the end of it. You're, it's it's 90% uphill when you're going that way. All downhill after the game. I really appreciated that. And it was lit up at that point after the game when we were walking back as well. And when you are in between the areas that are lit up at that point, it's like an infrared experience. I'm not even going to lie. The way that it, your, your eyes have to adjust to, to, when to, once you're actually in there, you're squinting. So, yeah, that's uh, – I will say they also have all these different walkways around the stadium that connect to the bridge too, which actually made it a little bit easier to get to the other side of the stadium. So is it worth $10 million? That looked like Absolutely. Let's drop the F-bomb. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we got it. See, this is, I mean, this is why our pod is so good. You know, we have all these things covered. We got Cole to get us all juiced up and excited about, you know, he's like the marketing department for the bridge. And then Derek's the reporter actually out there on the scene who got us the scoop on what's, what's going on. So appreciate that guys. Uh, injuries well no no no. one more guy i want to highlight on defense dy because i don't know that you even brought him up but like you know made a ton of tackles and a ton of tackles in space josh hayes dude that guy is a stud and he also lined up one-on-one in the slot against xavier hutchinson at one point and had perfect coverage and knocked the ball away and i know that Clyman's mentioned they think he's as good as like anybody in the country at covering covering guys from the slot and that gives them a lot of flexibility to just man up on people. And I mean, he is such a valuable, I don't, how the, how did he not play at Virginia last year? I mean, how did Virginia not get him on the field? Like, I know they're not rolling out a bunch of guys that are better than him, but Hey, I mean, they're lost. Yeah. No, Virginia can barely win a game right now. So um, they just lost to Louisville, I believe. Hey, we, we say this about a lot of transfers that come here and end up being pretty good. I mean, how did no one know who Timmy Horn was? And then he came in and, yeah. He's really good for Kansas State and made an NFL roster. Yeah, I was on the so, roster. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so I, that's what it comes down to the transfer portal, too. We, we've seen it on the basketball side. We've seen it on the football side. Again, a fit means a lot. That's why guys transfer away to begin with. Fit means a lot. Sometimes it just clicks somewhere else where, for some reason, where it didn't click at another place. But Josh Hayes is a hell of a player, um, all conference, in my opinion, just like last year. No one who no one in the world knew who Russ Yeast was. Transfers to K State for one year, all conference. He was first team all conference and was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams. So Kansas State's just had a lot of success doing that. It's really good evaluation, really good understanding of fit, scheme, and personnel, and what's going to work with what you want to do, what you want to throw at offensive teams. Josh Hayes was a great fit. Russ Yeast was a great fit. I think Josh Hayes is all Big 12 right now. If I if I had a vote, which I I don't know if I do, maybe I do. Um, uh, Kobe Savage is probably on the cusp, right there on the fringe, in my opinion. There's 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 a lot of good safeties in the league. I'm probably ignoring a few just to say Kansas State is two of the best, 
but I think they have two of the best. And I think Kobe Savage is close. I think Josh Hayes is all conference. I think Austin Moore is all conference. I think Eli Huggins is all conference. And I think Felix Ndike Izama is all conference. I would take those five. Maybe Kobe Savage. Yeah. Daniel Green. Here's the thing. I like Daniel Green. He's still playing really good for K State. Probably not an all conference level. And I think some of that pertains to his injury. Uh, it was, uh, I was talking at Big 12 Football Media Days in July, DY, with uh, I think Ryan Lackey. It might have been Cam from the sports information department, we were talking about the transfer success, Adrian Martinez, et cetera. And he, he mentioned, you know, they now put snippets in the media guide about all of the transfer success they have because that matters because the coaches now can go out and sell to transfers all the success they've had with these guys that come in. And, you know, Julius Brents, you mentioned Josh Hayes. I mean, look I'm at the secondary. Kobe Savage is yeah. a junior. Yeah, yeah. And Kobe Savage is a junior college transfer. So a little different, but, you know, Drake Cheatham starting too at the safety position and, uh, they've got numerous guys that came in right away and have made a meaningful impact um, coming in from transferring. That's not even to mention Adrian Martinez, who's playing night and day better than he ever did in Nebraska in terms of taking care of the football, right? So they're able to sell that um, to kids, and they're going to continue to be attractive spot as a result. Now, you hope maybe they could sell transfers to receivers, uh, some of those guys. Uh, that's that the nice? That's the one, and uh, maybe a running back this offseason. We'll see. They, they probably should easily be able to sell that. So, yeah, uh, you know, a little more on the skill position offensively. But, yeah, uh, getting back to John's point and what you talked about, D.Y., I mean, Josh Hayes, what, I think he led the team with 11 tackles in that game. His versatility, his ability to cover guys, like they had him covering Xavier Hutchinson multiple times. He made a hell of a play at one point on him in coverage. But then also his open field tackling. I mean, the guy is nails when it comes to tackling, um, made some incredible plays. In fact, I think with about three minutes left in the game, they throw a crossing route um, maybe to Jalen Noel, and Josh Hayes is right there one-on-one, -on -one, makes the tackle, puts him in a fourth and seven, no yards after the catch. What a find. Yeah, you're right. It was That was the play before the, the Xavier Hutchinson drop to set up fourth and seven. It was Iowa State doing what basically is – I mean, they're kind of a one-trick pony on offense when they're going to throw the ball. It's just drag somebody across the formation and make you tackle in space when they throw it three yards in front of the line of scrimmage, and, and he shut it down and forced that fourth and seven. Bye week, we've said, comes at a, a really nice time here, not just in terms of like midway through the schedule, but also to get guys healthy. We've mentioned Deuce being banged up. We know Khalid Duke went out with what looked like maybe an ankle injury, uh, basically like the first series of the game. Felix and DK Uzama is a little bit banged up. I know there's a long list here, DY. Do you want to remember when we used to on Power Cat Game Day? We would play like the, the, the thumbs up, thumbs down. Like, is this guy gonna play? Like, how about how about a little uh thumbs up, thumbs down on uh whether or not these guys will be available for uh for TCU? Yeah, there's a laundry list. I mean, Adrian was even a little gimpy when he came in and out of the media room, and I think he had a bruise under his left eye as well. So um he's going to be fine by the time to the TCU maybe by the time next week comes around, right? One week could probably um, figure it out a lot on some of these cases anyways, because I think Felix is going to be fine. I, Deuce Vaughn sounded like the one that they they were the least concerned about. So I know everyone was concerned about that one. The the one when I – I haven't really dug into these, uh, you know, much at all yet, but it doesn't sound like there's any concern on the Deuce Vaughn front or Adrian Martinez front. Uh, Felix, nothing that a little rest won't help. From what I've understood, the same for Daniel Green. Um, they've they've kind of been what I was explaining 
just pacing him the last few weeks just to get to this bye week so they know that this is going to be a pretty crucial. I wouldn't be surprised if Danny Green takes a, probably nine, ten days off of his feet just to get him ready and then ramp him back up. Um, so I, I bet that's going to be part of the calculus for him, and hopefully he comes back a little fresher because you can tell he's, he's lost a step right now uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Am I missing anyone? I know Khalid Duke and Nate Matlack. Matlack I had 26 snaps against Texas Tech, then I think, you know, maybe south of 10 against uh, Iowa State. I forget what the exact number was. I think the Texas Tech wear and tear, um, I don't know if it exactly responded very well after that game, as many snaps that he took versus the Red Raiders. And then I and then I think he had something else kind of come up on him as well just before uh, uh, the, get the game at Iowa State. So that's what he's dealing with. And I think Khalid Duke is actually similar to Matt Lack. So that doesn't sound long-term at all from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, and he was – he was hanging out on the sideline. I know he didn't have his helmet, but he was kind of you, you could uh, a couple points they showed him sort of like joking around on the sideline. So it didn't it didn't seem like anything that was a massive deal with with Khalid, but it is a little bit leery obviously because of the injury I that it swelled up whatever it was and that's why it couldn't go in. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean, I think all things considered, it, it could be a lot worse from the injury standpoint and you feel good about where where K-State's bye week is is coming right now. Is this are we are we thinking now? You know, I mean, Cole, I'll reiterate this for you because we kind of talked about this a little bit up front, but incredible to win in Ames and win in Norman and have those out of the way, you know, three games into the season. But if you were to power rank the Big 12 right now, those are probably two of the bottom three teams. Is is K-State a tier one Big 12 team right now? I will to me, the the top tier at this moment would be K-State, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Texas. I'll throw Texas in there too, because they if Texas wants to come focused, which is always the question, but they can be a massive problem uh, the rest of the year for everybody else. That to me is tier one. Are you guys you guys on board I agree. with that? I think Texas is a problem. I, I think Texas is actually now at a lot of the sports books the betting favorite they to are. win the league. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's possibly the most talented team in the Big 12, and, and they actually look like they put it together, and they've been really impressive the last two weeks. Uh, I know OU's down, but to dominate them in that fashion, uh, we've seen a lot of Red River, Red River rivalries where, you know, an opposing team, Oklahoma or Texas, wasn't very good, and that game was really competitive still, and Texas just outright dominated them. And they dominated West Virginia the week before, which I know West Virginia is probably the worst team in this league potentially, but still – uh, pretty impressive. See, I, I'd put K-State. I agree with you, said K-State's in tier one for sure. TCU, um, Texas, and Oklahoma State. I, I agree with all those. Um, I, you know, I'm still interested to see a little bit more from TCU. That defense. That's where I am. I, I if, I, like, if I was on the fence about any of those four, I'd be on the fence about TCU. Yep. Like, I know yeah, they. Yeah, I know yeah. they got a lot of dudes. They they got a lot of dudes on offense, right? Some big talented receivers. Duggan, solid, um, good running game. But that defense, there, there was no pass rush. John and I watched that game together. They could not do anything up front against Kansas. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Look, I was not high on TCU at all coming into the year. And I, I just sort of after the Oklahoma game, it opened my eyes and was like, okay. And I know there's a lot of talk about the talent that they have. I mean, Gary Patterson, I mean, this could be a situation like, I mean, probably not to this extent, but you think about John Blake at Oklahoma was recruiting really well, had all these guys there, you know, in the late nineties, but just sucked, couldn't win games. And so Bob Stoops comes in and year two wins a national championship because the, the cover was not bare. They had a lot of talent there. 
Uh, so maybe that maybe that is just it, a rejuvenization here of the offense in particular for TCU. And Gary Patterson was kind of antiquated by the end of his time there and what he was doing. Um, I, I can see the case there for TCU. But yes, it will be very interesting to watch them uh, watch them play this weekend. I would still I would have Kansas and Baylor probably alone in tier two, you know, sort of right right below that. Especially we'll see what happens with with Kansas moving forward in their quarterback situation uh, with with Jalen Daniels. But I Oklahoma, I, I you know. I, this I just got to make this point. Jeff Levy, you know, I heard so much about Jeff Levy and how great of a hire that was as their offensive coordinator, did all this great stuff with Ole Miss and OU fans out. We're not missing a beat. I understand Dylan Gabriel was out. But when Lincoln Riley was there, you had a quarterback room with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. Like, there, there was always the next guy ready and waiting to come up. You know, you had Kyler Murray behind Baker Mayfield. They brought in that Bevel kid. They personally handpicked him as the transfer to come in and – you don't even trust him to run two full series of offense before you have to go wildcat. Like that's where Oklahoma is at a year after having Caleb Williams as their quarterback, like Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler. Like that is how did the situation get that bad that fast at Oklahoma where they're having to suffer through jump pass interceptions from their freaking running back because they don't trust the transfer quarterback from Pitt. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair criticism. Look, I, well, I figured Oklahoma would take a step back, but this is more than I imagined. Um, everyone did say when Gabriel went, if Gabriel were to go down, they were in trouble. Um, that's clearly been the case, but it shouldn't be this dramatic. And the fact that it's this dramatic does leave me some doubt about that regime that's now in charge. Cole, you got any? This is your guy, man. You gonna you gonna did stick up predict for that? I mean, did, did can you guys remind me? Did anyone on this podcast did, did any of us pick Oklahoma to take a big step back I think all three of us did well not this big but I mean I think we I, I I thought they'd probably be a fourth or fifth place team they they might be a tenth place team that's a pretty big step back and uh, I think they'll win some games it'll be this well, game know, game is yeah, they're a touchdown plus favorite this week. Well, it's well look, this Gabriel, is getting it's, Gabriel back, and and I know I've discussed it uh, off, not on this podcast. Hey, Jason Bean lit it up last week. No round of applause to him because because he deserves all the credit. But that that Jason Bean is not the Jason Bean we have seen before. So I don't know if that is something that is sustainable or able to be duplicated, which is probably why the line is what it is. Now, if KU's just offense is just, you know, doesn't matter who the quarterback is and just go distribute the ball like they have this year, which is what we have seen, then, then maybe that's the case. So, you know, hats off to it was that Andy Cottle, Nikki, the the uh offensive coordinator that at KU, he must be on to something and, and be a genius. But I I I'm all in on Jalen Daniels. I think that kid can really, really freaking play. Uh Jason Bean. I'm going to have reservations, and you're probably going to have to do it a couple more times. Yeah, but I mean, I well, we're going to learn. Trust we're going to learn a lot be... about. No, go ahead, Cole. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I was just going. We're going to learn a lot about where OU season's going to head with this KU game. You know, if if they lose this game, I think they fold up the tent, and OU's done. I mean, I I don't even think they get to bowl eligibility if they lose to KU at home. Um, but if they if they win this game, they can get back on track and maybe win seven or eight games. But yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot. I mean, it's not going to be probably a, a very energized stadium in Norman. What is it, an 11 a.m. kick? You know, Kansas traditionally doesn't isn't a big draw, but I know this is a good KU team. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested to watch this game to see how OU responds. It will be, it will be pretty fascinating. I wouldn't touch any of this, you know, with a 10 foot pole, as far as the, the line is concerned, because you don't know what you're going to get, but I will say it is very hard to, you know, one of those lines opened up as high as nine. Like it is very hard to imagine Oklahoma beating a team as well coached as Kansas by double digits right now. I mean, that, that feels like a very tough putt to me right now. I, I will say, I mean, Jalen Daniels clearly is the superior of the two quarterbacks, but I do think there is something too. like, they just run such a, the scheme is so good and what they're doing offensively that I, maybe it is Jason Bean can really get them by better than what we would think. I just, I have a world of respect for that coaching staff at Kansas right now and what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, they are, they are very, they're legit. And I, I said, not that this is, you know, a podcast to talk about everything going on in the rest of the Big 12. But I came away more impressed. Yeah. From, yeah, well, I came away more impressed from Kansas uh, on Saturday than I did the last two weeks combined against Iowa State and and Duke. Because, I, I mean, Duke sucks. I forget who they lost to this week. Georgia Tech. Yeah, there you go. Uh, interim coach Georgia Tech. Duke is not a good team. Um, and they were messing around yeah. with Duke late in the game. And then Iowa State, you know, I mean – I understand we just beat them 10 to nine, but I, that was, that was not the most impressive performance either from Kansas in that game, much like it was not the most impressive performance from K state on Saturday. Now they hung with TCU. Now we'll see again about TCU, but I think Kansas is legitimately, that's legitimately like they're, they're, they're a seven or eight win team at least. I, I well, think. I agree. No, I'm not going to take that away from Kansas. I would agree. Something I'd be curious. You said that first tiers, K state, Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, which I agree, although I'm on the fence about TCU. And you said second tier by themselves is KU and Baylor. Where are you putting Tech? Because they they took Oklahoma State to the wire. They yep. did. I know my t- Tech fans would be pissed. They beat Texas. They beat Texas and yeah. took Oklahoma State to the wire. All right, fair enough. You know, you're making a compelling case there. I probably should push them up to – I probably should push them up to three. Um, my worry with tech is it just feel, I mean, they have all these injuries with all their quarterbacks. They're coming very close. My worry is just that there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, I mean, they've just fired a lot of bullets here early on. Now, they have four of their last six at home. So like the schedule theoretically would soften up a little bit for them. And they, already played, they, and they, already, and they already played K-State, Oklahoma State and Texas. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're making yeah, a I, compelling I, what, case there to put them in, in tier two. Yeah. When John read that off, I was thinking Tech too, D-Way. I think they could fall into that tier too. I was really impressed with the way they played and, and Stillwater. John and I watched most of that game together, and that, that quarterback, a redshirt freshman, was a talented kid. I mean, I Aaron think they found Morton. something there. Aaron Morton. Yeah. And I couldn't remember his name. I kept – yeah. So. And then and then I would put Iowa State in a tier by themselves below KU Tech and Baylor because I think – Look, I know that they have some offensive problems and Hunter Deckers has to be better against pressure. But I still think Iowa State's a leg above uh, what am I, Oklahoma and West Virginia. Uh, they played a really tough schedule too. Yeah, tier tier one, uh, tier one defense, tier twelve offense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that is the problem. I, it's, it's something in the water in Iowa because they're they're basically like a mini version of Iowa. Uh, did you guys did you guys discuss that there wasn't a touchdown scored in the state of Iowa? This no, uh, but weekend. Yeah. Iowa, Iowa, six points, two field goals. Iowa State, three field goals. <laughs> what an entertaining week for for Iowa natives. So, I got, I got you, know you right here. Press box. I got you right here. Oh, there we go. Oh, I, right, I already, right, I already right. asked him. No offense. No offense. 
Cole, I already asked, already him, asked him about the press box. About the press box. He, he made it away unscathed with no water damage on any equipment. So that's Thank you. You have to God. wait about 10 minutes to get an elevator. What was what was oh, the meal? Did you, have a, did you have a good meal? Decent meal? Uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, okay. All right. Well, um, go to Texas Tech. That's all I'll say. Best best Big 12 media meal in the yeah, league. They, 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 they probably waste food there as much as they give you. Jeez. They do. It's It's <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. I love I love that press box in Lubbock. It's great. Um, well, I I have a I have a message. I, I have a message, John, about the press okay. box. Okay, well that's good. I was about to close up shop here. So I... Iowa State fans, you gave ten million dollars for a bridge. Please, please help. A dollar, a penny, anything you have to give. Donate. Help build a new press box at Jack Trice Stadium. You can fund this with any money you have that you can give to support all of the struggling media that are getting leaky water onto their computers, that are struggling like DY, getting on an elevator. Please help. Build a new press box. Give anything you can. Is there a 1-800 number? Can we, is there a 1-800 number to donate? Is there is there a go for me? One eight hundred bridge. It's called one eight hundred bridge. Uh, okay. Well, I've oh, already. You seen guys it. thought I was going to go too deep there. No, I thought I, this was, that, was, good. That, was that was well played. That was well played, especially the element of surprise. That was good, and the Sarah McLaughlin uh, obviously was was perfect. On the GoFundMe front, I mean, I already I saw someone on K State Twitter. Um, who is it? Like P uh, PC Riley or something like that. He's been he's been pushing the uh, GoFundMe for for Kansas to upgrade their their plumbing, um, you know, to get rid of the porta potties. So maybe we you know we could get a couple of GoFundMe's going, help Iowa State fix their press box too. Yeah, maybe that. What do you think of the? Uh, well, I mean, you, you did see the. Oh, go ahead, John. Well, I was I was going to ask what you thought of the uh, what you thought of the incredibly detailed uh, renderings that we got from KU with the huge announcement about their 2023 stadium. You know, because it's never happened before that they've rolled out an announcement like that and then not followed through. So what'd you, what'd you think of those renderings? <laughs> well, I love that phase one is like what water sanitation or like water hazards, uh, plumbing, et cetera. Wi-Fi. Look, Wi-Fi. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wi-Fi. Here's the reality. KU doesn't have anywhere near the money needed to do this project currently. And so it's laughable that anyone fell for this announcement that KU trotted out. No rendering. Kevin Harlan. Nothing. Kevin Harlan, Cole. Oh, Kevin yeah. Harlan. I, I, it was, I mean, look, a nice PR move to try and trick people with the college game day and everything, but they're nowhere close to having the ability to redo their stadium right now. So, yeah, do they have a competent AD and Travis Goff? Yes. Do I believe they'll eventually get it done? Yes. But I, <laughs> for people getting all excited about this, if you don't even have a rendering, like that video they put out was the most meaningless video I've ever watched when it comes to this. Like I kept waiting for the, oh, the image. Up. Yeah. I kept waiting for the image of like the new look stadium, just like one rendering at a high level and they didn't have anything. So, yeah. Okay. Just had to, you know, we had to, we've been pretty nice to Kansas here. We had to get him, we had to get him one little shot before the end of the pod. Uh, anybody, anybody have anything else uh, as we head into the bye week? What's, what's, what's the focus supposed to be here during the bye week? You know, we got to tell fans where to direct their, their attention. What are we doing this? Don't week? do anything. Stay off your feet. 
uh, Dy is going to be in Cabo, right? Oh wow, he's a little little sheepish about that, but yeah, seems. <laughs> what what resort? <laughs> the Rio. Been to Cabo three times, Dy. So can you still can you yeah, still get your, you still get your bets in in Cabo? I don't, is it legal there? I don't. Know. I don't know. I don't know if I would trust him. Yeah, D.Y. trying to log in to place a bet. He's going to get hacked. He's got his bank account information. So I wouldn't do that. Uh, okay. Well, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, whether you're in Cabo or not, make sure and drink some uh, 360 vodka, Ben Holiday bottled and Bon Bourbon. We appreciate Holiday Distillery, as always, uh, for – man, it was Jordan Foote behind the scenes. We've been having so many different producers here. I'm, like, so in the habit of Tucker, and then we had Jed, Jordan Foote. Appreciate him helping us out. Shout out to Jed and Tucker also. Uh, boy, Tucker, I'm sorry about Mizzou, man. They keep getting close. They keep getting close. Just not quite there. Uh, for Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz signing off. Thanks for listening to another 3 Ma. We'll be back later in the week with a very special guest in K-State men's basketball program. See you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.